Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have the one and only Dr. Kelly Sturette. We have a special gift for you today, so if you go to the Ready State forward slash Kokoro Movement, you can try out the Ready State for two weeks for free. So go check that out. We're just going to jump right into this conversation. It was super epic. Here we go. Good, how are you? Great, just the normal chaos of kids and, you know, all the, all the shiz. How are you? Oh, you know, hanging in there. Like, uh, today um, is one of those really emotional days. And so, you know, there's a lot that I wanted to talk to you about once we finally oh. got hooked up. But, uh, you know, I feel like this is what we really should kind of start diving into. So, um, I run a boutique gym here in Flagstaff, Arizona with a, another coach and friend of mine. And we're talking about like potentially opening up May 1st. And what does that mean? And is that wow. even appropriate or, you know, and then, um, so initially the reason why I started this podcast as a massage therapist was because there's a lot of information that once you, once I got out of massage school that I started to acquire and I started to realize that other massage therapists needed this information too. So the best way to get that information was to ask people smarter than me. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think you're making an assumption people are smarter than you because you're asking the questions. And two, you know, I went to th- you know, physical therapy school and I'm pretty sure I didn't learn how people moved. Yeah, I didn't watch how people moved. I didn't know how to understand our you know, ancestral movement traditions, our modern movement traditions, you know, was left fumbling around for trying to stitch this whole thing together. And all of a sudden you, you bump into the world and you're like, wait a minute, have I been playing press and guest this whole time? You know? Yeah. And then, and then I relate to you on so many levels as a therapist, as a coach and as a gym owner, man, I'm like, I know your life. Right. And it's a uh, man. And so uh, Z health just released this uh, free course online a couple of days ago. And so me and my wife have just been diving into that stuff. And then the more you understand about neurology, the more you are just like, so maybe if I can fix somebody's eyes, then they'll feel less threat and then they'll get more mobility. And you're just like, what? And just trying to like wrap your head around this stuff. There's so much information. Well, you know, um, I know Dr. Eric and, you know, the, the key is, what do the foundational practices look like, you know, because those guys are right and they're really clever and they're, they're recognizing that we have sort of sold ourselves into the physiology world of you must be going harder. You add, you shaved one rep, you added a kilo. So it's success. And what we're saying is, whoa, 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 whoa. This doesn't represent any, I mean, it's a slice of the function of the human animal. So how do we integrate that? That's really the, the synthesis and integration is the task of the modern coach. Right. And so that's a, that's a big challenge for a lot of people because the way that we learn it, we are just as humans, you know, the Yuval Noah Harari book that talks about how we need to have borders for things. And so we separate the muscles from the fascia, from the, the internal organs, from the neurology, from, and it's all the same stuff. And so everything's affected by everything else. And the more you start to realize that, the better a coach and the better a therapist that you can be. And it doesn't necessarily negate or subtract from our base practice, right. which is, hey, we're going to need to breathe hard. Right. We're going to need to pick things up. We're going to need to dance and relate and sleep and play and sit on the ground and decongest and all of these things. So what are, what's essential here? And more importantly, I think, What's happened is we've created these laundry lists of things that we have to do in an hour. And so should we get there? And so I think what's really interesting right now is if we take a moment 
in this pause and say, all right, we think we've all been putting best work at the gym, right? Or, or training environment, whatever the language is that, you know, people are coming. That's, let's just say that we think we've got a good first rendition of what's possible. Let's, let's give ourselves a grade. How are we doing? Well, musculoskeletal pain is the all time high. Diabetes is all time high, right? I mean, the mortality of human beings is, is going the wrong direction, morbidity. We've got diabetes. I mean, choose something that you care about. How about children? Do you care about children? Well, they're running a mile, uh, you know, like a minute slower than their parents. Their trunks are weak. They fail the FMS screens. They, you know, when you and I went to high school, chances of us being diabetic, one in 4,000 now, it's one in four, independent mm -hmm. of socioeconomic status. So I think we're going to have to say, whoa, we've gotten really obsessed with how good you look naked on Instagram. And, you know, stripping out the carbohydrate from your diet and, and arguing about are carbs good or carbs bad. And we have completely lost the narrative about the human animal. Right. And even the, the commercialism, the, the, you know, the sort of naked capitalism that was our fitness space. This is my hard style versus your hard style. I'm like, look, there are lots of ways in. The human being is infinitely complex. And if we use just diet alone, you may eat carbohydrate and I may eat no carbohydrate. And we have the same insulin response. We have the same right. body composition. the same. So there's a lot of ways to practice this. And ultimately, you know, thinking along those lines of like what is best, best you know, expression of that. But holy shit. I mean, we, we – it was getting crazy for a minute. And I, I'm hoping – we have a second to pause and say, what was essential? Maybe it was just that we were all together sharing a common experience, you know, yeah. like we were all building a barn and that's, you know, just the barn has the shape of kettlebells and dumbbells right? But, and, or maces yeah. or whatever it is you like to swing. Right. And so there's stuff that you've been at the forefront of for a long time. And, you know, I've been following you since uh, Mobility Watt episode two, I think. Oh. And, you know, that Never was, get that time back. I'm sorry. I know, but it's, uh, you know, so you helped me really create the language of what I was trying to understand as a coach. But then once I got into the massage therapy field and started to realize um, that that's remedial education. And the reality is, is that that's giving you a base of what you need to start affecting the humans that we were talking about earlier. And maybe, maybe that's just permission to be able to put your hands on someone to have some input to make change, right? That was, you know, and, and then some, some formal education in how tissues work, right? Yeah. And some licensure to say, hey, you've jumped through these hoops, you're appropriate to do massage or to touch someone's hamstring. And, you know, what, what I think is interesting about what you said and about where we came from is in this journey for, you know, we've been making videos for over 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And when we started this thing, there was no video camera on the iPhone. I mean, it was just the dark yeah. ages. And I have to say that we had a really different idea about sort of the hope and promise of therapeutic touch, of rehab therapy, of, you know, I think we were hoping that the movement, wrong language, that if we had enough chiros and physios and osteos, and naturopaths and massage therapists in our gyms, we could get closer to solving the aches and pains and dysfunction of being human. Right. And what we saw was that it actually got further away. And there was, you know, the, the therapists are arguing about, you know, nonsense things, you know, like, or the, the physical therapists are saying things like, well, you know, we shouldn't fear rounding your back, you know, when you lift heavy things. And I was like, well, we've never said don't lift heavy round your back because you may get hurt. We said, don't round your back because it's a crappy way to move. Right. It cuts off, it cuts off positions. It's inefficient. It doesn't transfer energy well. You're going to get beat. It doesn't make you a skilled human. And so we had stripped out all the skill out of this therapeutic language. And then what we saw was that people were still in pain. And then we had to confound that reality with the fact that suddenly people weren't sleeping as much. Mm -hmm. And one of our friends, Dr. Kirk, Kirk Parsley, said that the research two years ago was that we were sleeping 6.4 hours a night as a nation. 6.4, like seven is his baseline for survival. That's, you are a threatened animal at seven. And if you're working out, ooh, we're stressed at work. Seven is like, ooh, good luck. You know, you're, you know, you got enough gas in the tank to get home, maybe. 
Right. You know, eight is his benchmark for dude. Okay, now you're now we're talking. So six point four. Now this last year six point two. So we see this real hot, you know, baked mess of increased stress, blue light, crap shoes, inflammatory diet, no sleep, poor movement behavior. And it's really, I, and then all the, you know, we're still arguing about like my fitness class is better than your spin class. It's better than your hard style kettlebell. And I think we've lost the narrative on our side. So this is an opportunity really to level up and, uh, and to talk about it and sort of get things right in this next iteration. We, we hit pause in a way we'll never get again until the next, until we flood out all our coastal cities. <laughs> but in the meantime, you know, this is, this is a moment where we can say, hey, what do we think about all this? How is it going for us? Right. And then going back to, you know, talking about modalities, like which modality is better than your modality? Who cares? What the, the person in front of you, what do they need? Like, do they just need to talk to you? Like, because sometimes I have clients that just come What what do they like? Right. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I have clients that just book an hour just to get all the stuff out without any judgment. And then they just feel like a million dollars and then they leave. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so it's. I've never felt so loose, Doc. What's going on? (laughs) I know. know, Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, Right now, physical therapy, I can speak on behalf. I'm a physical therapist. I don't speak on behalf of physical therapists. But suddenly, there was a lot of pushback about manual therapy. And, and let me just define what the pushback was against. I have back pain. You lay down on the table. I manipulate or move a tissue thinking that's going to solve the problem, right? Like human beings, as you pointed out in the beginning, we are the most complex structure in the known universe. Just think yeah. about that for a second, right? Yeah. The human being is the most complex structure in the known universe. And I think what's interesting right now is, you know, so physios are like, well, you know, manual therapy, touch, all of a sudden that's all been taken away. And I think what's really interesting is that they're, they're left with how do I talk to someone on the phone? How could I instruct someone to be independent of the system? Because that's really what we're seeing now is who owns pain? How are you going to manage that at home? How are you going to keep your body and develop a movement practice that isn't, you know, deadlifting 600 pounds? Right. It's all about something else, right? So mm-hmm. what, what does that look like? And I think, um, I think we have a moment now to sort of, again, reimagine who owns what. And then we're going to start to see a lot of the silliness. Again, I don't know what's going to be, what's going to be left when the, you know, you turn the, turn the lights back on. You guys say May 1st. I don't. You know, or they just, I mean, the Germans just canceled Oktoberfest. You know, right. we're shut down by the state of California, so we don't even have that intellectual, you know, dissonance involved. So I don't know what you guys are going to do, but it's, uh, it's really interesting because for the first time ever, I think people were like, wow, you know, my gym was also my, my community and my tribe. And, I, right. and maybe the drive to come back for that is as strong as any coaching I could ever give someone. Right. And so that's, you know, that's where I'm saying a lot of that anxiety is around because my wife is a nurse in the CVICU. And so how can we go back to work if she's still going to work in a hazmat suit? That doesn't make any sense to me. And so, but there's like this push to kind of start to rebuild the economy, which is something that I understand. And so thankfully, a lot of my coaching clients transitioned online to where I'm making like a base level of income. But for the most part, my massage therapy was a majority of my income. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and that was cyclical in nature, which is why I started coaching independently to help keep people out of pain and give them a better movement practice that pertains to them so that they can stay out of pain indefinitely. And so that was my goal to just have like, to take a lot of that anxiety away, you know, during the holiday seasons when everybody just disappears and I'm like, Hey, I still got to make a paycheck. Like, where do you guys go? Where happened? You know? So, um, but we're so we're tentatively thinking about opening up June 1st kind of seeing how it goes but for the most part like I've been comparing it to a jiu-jitsu practice like you can't just make a plan you have to go in and respond to the whatever is given to you and so like I keep saying if you focus on getting arm barred then you're going to get choked and that's just like the way that it goes and so it's just literally kind of day by day 
and we don't know and nobody else does either and our government's doing the best job that they can with this unprecedented situation so it's just you know it's crazy we have some friends who um the company is called 30 seconds out yep and you get to know these guys but they have a great sticker that says no one is coming it's up to us right and i you know i i really do you know this is a black swan event i mean which gym so a restaurant's a great example the margins are tough most gym, most restaurants have about two and a half to three weeks of money enough to to pay the pay the rent right and yeah. pay their payroll so basically i have one payroll covered you know we had our gym has been around for 16 years and we had three months ready to cover for our expensive rents and our considerable payroll and even in that state, we, you know, we don't have the PPP, we don't have the support. And the, the question is, will it survive? And should it survive? You know, and how do you restart this? And it's a really great question. Um, you know, we have 22 staff and 10 kids, yeah. you know, all are supported by working and therapy. And we have a, you know, we have a, a therapeutic practice at the gym, we have a movement practice, we have Olympic lifting at the gym. So I don't, I don't know what the right thing to do is. And I, I think you just keep making the be next best decision. You know, fortunately for us, it's out of our hands. You know, yeah. our governor has said, hey, there's no way. And we'll keep taking, the, you know, the next best decision. But um, it's, it's really frightening, I think, to sort of wrap your head around, you know, like you say, you know, my father's a physician, my grandfather's a physician, my great-grandfather or my grand other grandfather was a um, microbiologist and he was the department, you know, ran a big health department. And, you know, the realities are, you know, we, we don't have a, we don't have a fix for this thing. You know, how do we, you know, what, what if we're allowed to open, but only have 10 people in a class? Yeah, that's crazy. You know, have, you know our rent is $23,000 a month. Yeah. And so how, do we, then, how do we make that? Right. So then I was thinking about that too. Cause like the bigger box gyms like you have, then you would have to have less people in your class and then more classes throughout the day like that's just it's a it's a crazy and terrifying concept to think about so we just have to keep focusing like on the moment and you know I'm fully prepared to uh, lose my gym and lose my office and coach people in my backyard if I have to we have a spare bedroom in our house that we're renting that I can you do massages out of and so it's like the thing where you plan for the best case scenario and then plan for the worst case scenario and kind of see what happens, you know? Yeah. And you know, at some point, uh, you know, my daughter, everyone's out, of, everyone's impacted by this thing. Right. If you have two people in the same, you know, in the same field, I think it's particularly, you're just even more, I mean, that may be the lesson is that, you know, Hey, I really love you, but I'm, person you're a massage therapist and we're both vulnerable. If one of us is a massage therapist, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 um, it's really interesting. I, what I want to take out of this is for the moment, um, I think we can control our sleep for the first time in the history of the world. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I don't have to get up in the fives and the sixes every single day. Yep. We get our kids off for school and work. Um, you know, our, our kids are, have always cooked, but now they're cooking regularly. They're figuring out how to, you know, I, I think my, my wife and I are both children of divorce and had absentee fathers. And I think that's part of what's driven us, you know, uh, in sports and driven us professionally is to make up for this hole. Right. Um, yeah. and I've always wondered, well, you know, I'm happily married to my wife and my kids leave and live in a stable community. Like what is it going to, it's going to change them, you know, and yeah. this, this may be the, the grit. So we're going to have to figure out what is it we want to do? What, what can we learn from this? And I'll, I'll quote one of my best friends who's uh, one of my favorite coaches, Dave Spitz of Cal Strength, who said, you know, um, he's got an Olympian or had an Olympian. And, um, you know, he says, we win or we learn. Mm -hmm. And right now, no one is winning. No. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe Shake Shack is winning, but, um, you know, yeah. or they were for a second. But I think the question is, okay, we, you know, it's going to be about survival in this Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We get to think about our supply chain. Can you develop a relationship with a local farmer? Um, you know, suddenly out there, all the kids in our neighborhood are out skateboarding a ton. They picked up skateboarding. They're buying skateboards. That like, there's 20 kids skateboarding down our street. Yeah. And um, you know, so I think we're gonna have to, you know, really say, 
we're going to have to choose the best possible outcome out of these things. And the rest of it, we're just going to have to, you know, be, I think never before have we sort of had to become communitarianisms, you know, communitarianists, yeah. for lack of a better phrase, where, you know, uh, we built, we redid our fences and backyard like four years ago. And our next door neighbor is just a dick. And he's <laughs> just, we have been battling and his, his rat infested ID comes over and he didn't want to pay for fences and whatever. Right. We just, we just, in fact, it was so bad. I just built my fence inside the old fence. I was like, I don't need this big yard. I'll just move my fence inside. Yeah. I'll get out the crap fence. But just this morning he walked past and was like, Hey, how's your family doing? How's your business? And I was like, Whoa, like, you know, I mean, I've tried a million times to talk to this guy, but you know, I think it's even gotten through that at some point, you know, it's going to be a community choice and we're going to have to think about it in these problems at that scale yeah. because, um, you know, the gym level scale, the community level scale. So uh, man, it, what wild times. I mean, you know, what the, what's the old saying may be born in interesting times. Well, you know, if you're a therapist you know, teaching people, I am, I'm, I feel grateful that the ready state for whatever reason, we've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. You know, putting content, teaching people, having not, we're not scrambling to try to show people how to take care of themselves at home without a coach, without right. a thing, right? And so many great coaches have been doing the same thing for, for a long time. And I think that that bill has finally come up where there's enough really good information where we're going to have to think about, again, who owns pain, who owns movement quality, who owns environmental health. And, uh, you know, I think if anything before – we are all galvanized around the fact that, you know, COVID is, has accelerated, um, you know, maybe we shouldn't have a conversation about like keto, carnivore, paleo, you know, it should be a conversation of, wow, we have completely failed our communities of color and lower socioeconomic communities. And they're being picked off because they are diabetic and obese and heart cardio, you know, vascular disease and cardiometabolic disease, you know, Man, this is yeah, it gets really heavy, and so it's funny that you mentioned that 30 seconds out thing because I posted that about two days in where I was just like, Hey, like, we like our our government doesn't know what to do, so that's where this lack of leadership comes in, and that's where people start to freak out and buy toilet paper. And so then I started talking about how we need to be the leaders of our communities. What What do you need? Can you go out and get groceries? No, I'll get them for you. Like massage therapist, how do you pivot? This is how you pivot. This guy, Dr. Kelly Sturette, has been posting videos on how massage therapists can do virtual consultations with people for 10 years. There's all that information there. So use that and stay in business. You know what I mean? There's like, there's so much, or sometimes... I have massage therapist friends call me up, be like, this sucks. And you're like, yeah, it sucks bad. And, you know, I'm here for you, whatever you need. Like, if you just need somebody else to tell that this sucks, then I'm here, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it's really, it's interesting right now. Um, you know, now is the time to collab. Uh, you might have a second to look around and see who else is doing an extraordinary job. Yeah. You know, I think it's given us a chance to have empathy towards the other there are people who are really, you know, thinking about, you know, the same sets of problems I am and trying to solve it in them. And now suddenly we're not competitors anymore. We're both right. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, we're not ambulances racing to the same same place. We're realizing that the whole world is on fire. So, right. um, you know, again, as we, as we parse through this, you know, to your point, we're going to – this is a, an incredible time to start to, you know, we're, there's a woman – in our neighborhood who has, who wears only high heel clogs, right? Damn. And she has terrible, <laughs> terrible, like high, high, high heel shoes, clogs yeah. all the time. And she's one of our good friends and she's, she's a firecracker and brilliant, but she loves cause she's so short, but you know, it causes her interior pelvic tilt and it's shut down her pelvic floor. Yeah. Right. And she has incredible pelvic floor problems. Right. And one of the things that we've talked about and our staff has talked about with her is, Hey, look, part of the magic of, you know, getting you into a different position is giving you access, more access to your physiology. It's not going to be, that's something we push on and something turns back on. We're going to have to change how you move and how your brain is perceiving what's going on here. Right. Just get, to get the pelvic floor working. 
but she was not willing to give up those shoes. And I was like, dude, it's your life. Like you got this, right? Like I'm not going to take those shoes away from your cold dead hands. But suddenly she's like, Kelly, my heels hurt all the time because I'm in my house barefoot. And I was like, all right, you finally might solve this problem. You know, we're seeing more people barefoot more often. We're seeing more people walking in our neighborhoods than ever before. Um, We may have a chance to really think about well, should school start at 7.30 a.m.? You know, in California, next year, it's going to have to start later. We're going to have to think about, wow, we need to think differently about middle school lunches. Um, maybe shape the environment a little differently so kids are getting a little more activity. You know, we have a nonprofit called Stand Up Kids, yeah. which is all about getting kids out of these sedentary desks that's just one-size-fits-all crappy classroom desks. You know, designed so that the janitors can stack the chairs, et cetera, et cetera, right? We're seeing this epidemics of sedentariness. And uh, <clears throat> next year, we're theoretically engaging in real research with the University of California, Berkeley. We funded a study to go into three middle schools in, in, the Richmond, in Richmond, which is a really uh, – these are all Title I schools, so struggling schools, to look at changing the environment or, and, and tracking kids' health – tracking their blood sugar, tracking their movement, tracking their sleep, tracking, you know, we've got, you know, we're strapping things to their legs. We're doing, you know, functional testing. But I think if, if we're clever enough to take what we've learned in performance, in this high performance environment, and, and when I say high performance, if you're engaging or you're training at a gym, a, a boutique gym, you're right. in a high, high performance environment. Right. See, my friends doing in, in small training centers, Olympic lifting and swinging maces and kettlebells. That's it, right? That's my definition. It, right. it may look like you may self-identify as a 47-year-old guy like me, right. but that's still high-performance environment. We have to take what we've learned and start applying that laboratory Formula One experience to the rest of the stratums of society. And that's, that's going to, you know, that is the highest obligation of science is to improve the humanities. So maybe this is our moment to say, hey, look, this is what we've learned in the 15 last years of the Wild West of fitness. And it has been the Wild West from the rise of CrossFit to, you know, uh, kettlebells and on it. Choose something. I mean, you can buy. When we started our gym 16 years ago, we could not buy kettlebells in the city of San Francisco. Yeah. Right, just think about the madness. Now you're like, oh, I need a kettlebell. I'm going to Target. You know what I mean? Right. Like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa! What's what's going yeah. on? You couldn't you couldn't buy Olympic lifting shoes anywhere, and now Reebok makes Olympic lifting shoes. You know, right. like yeah. what is going on? You know, right. so it's a, that's a that's one of those big things that makes a huge difference. You know, just like you were alluding to the foot thing. So we're a barefoot gym. So everybody that works in our oh. house, uh, in our gym is barefoot, oh. and so um, you know, just because. And the stuff that I learned from you just from watching your videos where I was like, what the hell does up and downstream mean? So like if the knee hurts, what does up and downstream mean? And then the more I learned, and then I remember when I got out of massage school, I started studying the joint by joint approach and I'm like, oh shit. Okay. So now that's all coming together. And then you start looking at all these different movements and then you start going down the Z health pathway. Like I had Dr. Eric Cobb on, on Tuesday and I started asking him about jaw position when you're lifting. Oh. And so he just started going deep. Like that was the first question I asked him. I was like, yeah, let's get it. And so then you start looking at movement and how the, the, the tissues that fire together wire together. And then you start looking at like the stand-up desk that you uh, are, have been championing for a while. And then you're starting like, oh, so if people just move around, they learn better. Okay. And so you know, right. and <laughs> if you're on your Zoom call and every once in a while you look as far as you can and then come back to your Zoom call, you'll feel better. <laughs> right? You'll pay I mean, holy crap, right? I mean, I just what's really interesting about this, and I, I love that you mentioned Yuval Harari, who is absolutely one of my heroes. And it's really the person I try to emulate in terms of being a, such a generalist, a radical generalist. So like, I want to understand, you know, we've been talking about job position for, I don't know, eight years, you know, yeah. we, like we're obsessed on job position, nine years. And um, when we first really started to appreciate how gnarly it was and what it, what it could mean. And of course, we stumble into, well, 
job position shouldn't be something we have to work on because we always used to gnaw on bones and chew tubers and we didn't ever, you know, like, I think we're going to come into this appreciation that orthodontia is going to look like Chinese foot binding did, yeah. right? That we're like, we had to apply these wires to your malformed jaw because you ate rice as a child and didn't chew and gnaw and you sat. So your jaw was retruded and whoa, 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 what? You know, and so you, again, that leads us into instead of the esoterica, what is it we should be doing? Oh, I need to move more during the, okay, I can wrap my head around that, right? To yeah. decongest the tissues and load the tissues. Oh, okay, I got to sleep. So what we, I think what we appreciate is that there are going to be basics, and we're starting to come back to basics. We've, we've lost our mind. We went to space. Yeah. And now we came back, and we're like, okay, you know, you know, I understand. I understand what I need to be thinking about, or or integrating these behaviors. And more importantly, the task of the next generation of coaches and therapists is to figure out how to synthesize and integrate all of this incredible information into a cogent whole, where the environment is constrained in a way where the person never has to think about. It. Yeah. You know, Andrew Huberman of, of Stanford is a buddy of mine. He's like, wouldn't it be great if we had lights that moved? And once you installed them, they would track. And eventually, they'd get dimmer, and they'd start to drop down on the horizon, and they'd stop being overhead, telling you it's high noon, and that the photoreceptors in your eyes are more dense than the bottom part of the eyes because they pick it up. And as they track down, you become more light sensitive because the light is a little bit more horizontal. Yep. And you didn't have to think about it ever again right yeah. the the environment matches the the biology for once instead of trying to conform the biology to an, an environment of that once you start to pay attention you're like oh it is kind of weird to put shoes on yeah. <laughs> what, what do you mean i've never been cold i haven't been cold in 20 years like what what do you what do you mean it's always 72 degrees in my in my body yeah so it's funny uh that podcast that you did with him, I listened to that probably four times in a row where I'm just like, God damn it, this guy, like you just run into these people where you're just like, how do you know everything, you know? And um, so I took uh, the clinical neurodynamics with Michael Shacklock last, oh. no yeah, last oh. November. And so I wanted to read his book so I wouldn't get lost in the nomenclature by the time I got there. And he did a really good job of teaching, but every once in a while, somebody would ask him a question and he just starts going off and you're like, oh, I don't know anything. This guy's crazy. Like <laughs> he's just so deep in just the neurodynamics, you know, and then you have like the David S. Butlers of the world that are so deep in the cognitive aspect of it, which is one of the things that I wanted to bring up to you, which is like this. So you posted these videos back in December where you started unpacking the biopsychosocial model as it pertains to fitness. And before you came on, I even started thinking about like, this could very much apply to what we're going through right now too, you know, because like I've, I'm been, there's like speaking on sleep. There's, there's been nights where I sleep really well. And then there's other nights where I don't because I'm either depressed or I'm anxious or whatever it is. And it's because I'm so used to being so social with both of my jobs that are so intertwined. And so now I'm not, and you know, my wife is pretty cool, but I see her all the time. You know what I mean? So you need, you need this bigger tribe, you know? So it's a, it's such a really interesting concept. Just like, you know, David Butler just fired well, back I, in my brain. And how about, um, you know, we just saw Brene Brown on mm -hmm. 60 minutes and you know, she's saying, hey, look, let's just appreciate for a moment that what we're doing right now goes fundamentally against our DNA. Yeah. We are tribal animals designed, wired to recognize another human being and appreciate that human being. So excited when we saw another human. There is, um, we were reading or listening to a podcast in Outside Magazine, and it was about a woman who had gone on Naked and Afraid. And it was just talking about her experience on Naked and Afraid. And ultimately, she, she tapped out a little bit early because she had this raging, horrible infection and, um, from a bug bite or something. And uh, but she said her it was one of those master meetups where her, she and her partner met another couple that was out, and then they formed a tribe. And she said that 
the first, when she got naked with the camera crew, she felt very strange. You know, she was like, they were stripping out. But the first time she met this other human naked in the Savannah, wherever they were, and they were in Africa, she said she felt this really interesting biologic drive, not to mate, but of kinship of I'm responsible because I'm a human. And suddenly, um, you know, she talks about just how it just sorted out all this sexual tension. And it was just, it, 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 there was none of that. It was all about, oh, you're a human, I'm a human. We need each other right now. Yeah. And then she says when she, she was really worried in her cognitive high functioning self, when they were going to meet the other couple, she was really worried that it was going to create this weird power dynamic. And when they saw each other, everyone hugged and basically wept because they felt like they were alone and they saw each other. And that's this, I mean, it, let's be honest. It is not mystical. It's ma not magical. It is biological, chemical driven in our genes to see that and appreciate that. And I think that really speaks to this greater conversation of man okay this last 15 years we're going to call i'm calling it peak fitness right yeah. peak wellness which is about how to train the animal of the human being but we have done a shit job of training the person right of training the human being around this and it's really interesting when you read someone like uh grossman's work on on killing right who who wrote about um I think it's David Grossman, um, he, uh, in the army, just how difficult it is to kill another human being because we are so wired to want to protect ourselves. And he goes through that, like, at uh, some of the big battles in the Civil War, um, you know, they discovered, like, 12,000 muskets that were loaded 10 to 12 times, right? So they're not firing these muskets. They're, you know, cleaning them, you know, ramming them, putting another load in, another powder, another wad, because it's easier to pretend like you're, you're re, re, you know, reloading than it is to actually shoot someone. So if that's our drive, think about how fundamental some of our environment behaviors are that are going against this fundamental drive to be a human. So when you suddenly drop into, like, Eric Cobb's amazing work, what you're seeing is, wow, human you know, our ancestral ancestors you know our ancestral friends didn't do eye drills and saccades they didn't need to no because they were paying attention and walking around and looking around and seeing what's up you know we when we see people train the neck for example we see all this neck rotation right right that's not how your neck works your neck doesn't work that way you don't snap your head around like that's not what happens right you keep your eye on something and your body rotates underneath your neck yeah. you know that that is very, very different function. And so, again, you can get so in the weeds on, you know, what is it about your gut biome? What is it about your genetics? What is it about these fundamental things? Well, you know, you can begin, because the human being is so anti-fragile and so stinking robust, that there's any way in to improve the physiology of the system. You know, and, and if that's a someone calling you up and saying, hey, you know, one of our friends, it's my wife's birthday yesterday, um, our friend before, he's kind of high stress and he may lose his job and they may close his business and he, you know, he's been at this company for a long time and his wife is the only breadwinner. He's like, dude, I, I took my back again last night and I just did the breathing and I did a little muscle activation, you know, the little push-pull, you know, the muscle dynamic thing that's come down from our osteopaths a million years ago, right? MAT stuff. And uh, he's like, boom, I was back. And I was like, hey, just want you to appreciate that nothing was wrong with your back. You didn't injure it. It didn't tweak it. But you were under so much stress that your brain is in constant threat state. Yeah. And it's just all you did was move. And he's like, oh, I never thought about that. Hey, thanks. And that is the level of conversation and permission we need to have right now. We are living in such threatened states that maybe now is not the time to become our fittest selves. Maybe now is the time to focus on some of those biopsychosocial components that I can control. And then also don't make me a weirdo. You know, yeah. like it's, it's okay to be a modern human. I'm talking to you on my mid-century modern couch. Right. But, I, but I'm sitting cross-legged on my mid-century modern couch. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> you know? it's really, yeah. So um, I taught a education course with my friend Andy Shea, who's out of uh, San Diego, um, California. And he's, we taught it, it's called Rethinking Movement. And so when somebody comes into you and they're in pain, you have to ask, why is this person under threat? 
because that's essentially what pain is, you know? And so once you start kind of unpacking the different levels of threat we, we have and how it manifests in the body, then you can start to understand the human that's sitting in front of you, you know? So, and that's when, that was the big epiphany that I had with my body work is, you know, we have this remedial model where somebody comes in and their QL is really tight. We'll just dig that elbow in there. No, we need to figure out why it's under threat and we don't need to give it more threat. We need to give it less. And so then you start to, one of the biggest epiphanies that I had in that uh, clinical neurodynamics course was the body is um, so brilliant at compensational patterns that it will offload nervous tissue that is under threat. So like a radiculopathy of the cervical spine you know, the trap will tighten up, the pec minor will tighten up, that shoulder blade will pull forward in order to offload that radiculopathy. And I'm like, oh shit. So then if you release the trap and release what's causing the pain, then the bigger threat then reveals itself. And you're like, oh, okay. So now there's this whole subset of assessment that I have to do with this person just by talking to them. You know what I mean? Like, what a wonderful way to approach this, you know? And, you know, I think that that is gorgeous to ask what's going on here. You know, yeah. what, what, what is it about this? You know, and appreciating, you know, I, I'm so lucky, you know, I, at some point when we wrote coming to supple leopard, it irritated some people because we didn't go deep into pain science. Yeah. And so everyone assumed that I didn't understand pain science. Right. right. And, you know, meanwhile, I had was, you know, pain science was, you know, part and parcel of my education. You know, mm-hmm. neurodynamics is part and parcel of my education. Right. And, and you cannot understand, you know, Olympic lifting without understanding, you're know, really appreciating what's going on in the nervous system in those positions of neural tension, of jaw opening, of people dumping tension, or of, of, of you know, tissues becoming stiff to protect. Like if you overextend and flinch through your lumbar spine because you don't have good, you know, lumbopelvic control, right? You don't have the skill. You don't know, you don't know how to sequence, right? And you should do those things automatically, but many of us don't, right? You don't know how to take a big breath and stabilize. Guess what? Your hamsters will be short trying to protect those systems. Wow. And so you can beat on them and pull on them, but you have to come back first things first. And I finally think we're getting to a place where we're like, show me take you take a big breath. That's the first movement, isn't it? Yeah. And the fastest way in, right, to change some of these things. You know, we have a neighbor down the street who's like, dude, you know, I've, I have this, you know, thoracic syndrome, you know, my hands are, and I was like, all right. He's like, I'd love to talk to you sometime. I'm like, love to, but I'm going to need you to do this breathing every day for 15 minutes or a week. And then, then let me know. And he's like, dude, my hands went tingly. My back was all stiff. My hands felt better. And I was like, huh, is that weird? That there was a movement underneath this because ultimately, why do we have a nervous system? To, per- to perceive change in the environment right? That is it. And then ultimately to move through the environment so that we can reproduce, feed ourselves, defend ourselves. I mean, that is the game. Right. But when you start to appreciate that it's all comes down to the movement and, and then we can have the next conversation, which is, yes, I agree. It probably, you can get away with walking any way you want for as long as you want. Right. But if you want a movement pattern that scales up, that is, that is, it creates a basis for more skilled movement that handles load and speed. You may have to make a whole different set of solutions. And that's why I think some of us who've come from, you know, backgrounds of high performance, I mean, every professional sport, all the Olympic sports, I mean, I, we've just seen so much, you know, from bobsledding to fencing to soccer to, we get to see it all. And the question is, what are these shapes that transfer backwards? that give us better access to our physiology. You know, why do I like to sit in a more organized position? Well, I have better access to my breathing in this position. If I slouch all day long, then I end up passive accessory breathing and then my jaw gets tight. And if I don't, I, I have better access to my diaphragm, right? So I think when we start to appreciate or make choices predicated on, yes, you can get away with this as long as you're comfortable with that dead end, right? And, you may run into a problem when you're 50 or 60 or 70, 
but we don't know if you will or not because you may have genetics and you may, everyone you know and your belief effects around pain are such that you don't ever experience pain the way I experience pain because I had a jumpy mom, right? So we can, we can aggregate all that together. But what really is, it comes down to, if you look at martial arts and you look at Olympic track and field and you look at some of our old military movement traditions, you'll see that people were pretty on this. Yeah. They figured out through observation and through the aggregation of large data sets, right? That was Sir Francis Bacon 101, synthesize, conjoin, understand what's going on, right? Drive consilience. Then we really are left with a really powerful set of instructions about what is what what are good hints about what's gonna leave the human being to be insanely robust and insanely functional for a hundred years. And that should be our benchmark currently. Are you going to be functional and get up and down off the ground a hundred years old or not? That's the only thing I care about. Right. And so that's good. There's a lot to unpack there. So, um, you know, once podcast first became prominent, that's when I started to get more information on you. But for a while it was really frustrating because everybody that would have you on the podcast would be like, tell me about mobility wad. And I'm like, come on, we know about mobility. Why, wad. why does my shoulder hurt? <laughs> and then, yeah. And then, uh, so that happens too. I've been to a myriad of different education courses and <laughs> some people just go there. Hey, what's my problem? That's right. And we're teaching you a methodology right now. But then there was one podcast where you started talking about pain and I was like, yes, yes, go Kelly, go. And so it was super fun. And then just being able to finally get into your head into a different aspect of the knowledge that you can present to people. And then once I started, and then I think of the, the other really beneficial part is that you started to explain things in such a way that made them applicable. So that was another frustration of mine is when I was going through anatomy and physiology in my community college, I was like, God oh, damn it. Why can't Kelly be teaching this stuff? Because when I go on to mobilitywad.com and then you'd have a seminar on the ACL and I'm like, see, that's what I need. I don't need to just see what it is. I need to understand what it does and why we, torque we just, is so important. Why, why did we think context didn't matter? You know, I was mm -hmm. so fortunate to run into these, you know, this, you know, I think the magic of CrossFit for me, you know, we own the 21st CrossFit in the world. And so the loaded CrossFit aside, games aside, right, just pull that, that ass, that, that esoteric piece aside and just say, well, can you do some basic gymnastics? Can you handle a kettlebell? Can you handle a dumbbell? Can you run and row? Can you jump and land? Can you move a barbell? Right, basic powerlifting, some simple Olympic lifting. I think just the skill exposure was enough to really see changes in people's capacities, athleticism. Yes, intensity. No one. I mean, people used to vomit all the time in early days. No one does now. I mean, go to Soul Cycle. People are just killing themselves. Like Peloton is ten times harder than any CrossFit workout ten years ago. I mean, yeah. it just you know, the world has changed and. But, you know, what I, what I really appreciate is that it took us a minute to synthesize where, does, where do maces fall in here? Where do, where do club bells fall in here? What does Edo Portal mean? What's going on there? Yeah. Why are, you know, and then coming back into, well, when are people going to do this? You know, so how are, who owns pain? When are we going to address position? Why don't people have these positions? And then that really just keeps leading you to this conversation around refining practice and then rinse, wash, repeat, rinse, wash, repeat. You know, one of our friends is the first woman strength conditioning coach in Major League Baseball. She's now the first woman hitting coach in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. And she said something yesterday. She says, look, let me, you know, I was terrible. I'm just a beginner. I don't even know what I'm doing. She's, she has arrived theoretically at the pinnacle, right? Yeah. And I, my response to her was, man, I apologize to everyone I coached yesterday because I was terrible. Today yeah. is the coach you wish you had yesterday, you know? Yeah. And I, I think what's really remarkable about so many of the coaches that I see and work with is it's not that they're willing to throw all their work away, but they're willing to, to accept the possibility that we can do a better 
a more streamlined. We can tailor what we're thinking to the, to the individual. Right? Just like we're going to come to understand personalized medicine as a set of medicine practices that fit your environmental, sociobiologic, genetic self, probably there's some things that we can try to understand that really are going to unlock your, your training. And, yeah. and it, you know, there are going to be some fundamentals. Like, you, did, you, did you bend your knees when you exercise? Yes or no? Did you, right. you put your spine under some shear? Did right. you expose yourself to flexion? Right. right. But how you get there, the problem, maybe it doesn't really matter. And, and ultimately, as you know, because you've worked with these, the genetic mutants amongst us, man, you know, you throw some people on a bike and their quads get bigger and they PR on their squat and you're like, well, that's not fair. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> what's going on there? Right. And so it's funny because uh, I read a book called The Lost Sense of Balance and it said a crazy stat where most people over the age of 60 are fall risk. Oh, Right. So how about that? How, how crazy is it that the number one cause of, of mortality over 70 is falling and breaking your hip. That is mm -hmm. the number one reason people die. Yep. And you have to be like, oh, oh, okay. So my bones are designed to get weak when I'm old. I don't think so. Otherwise mm -hmm. there'd be no human beings. Right? right. And when you start applying that thinking, you're like, well, what is it I have to do? You know, and it turns out that great test, like can you get up and down off the ground without using your hands, sitting cross-legged, was an excellent predictor of early mortality and morbidity. And what was that about? Yeah. Strength to get up and down? No, just have enough range of motion and balance to do it. And so the question is, well, when's the last time you got it down and off the ground? And suddenly you're like, oh, okay, maybe I understand burpees for general population training or right Turkish get-up suddenly means something different to my mom right yeah. or or Pilates where I go to a mat class and I have to get up and down off the mat or yoga when you're suddenly like holy shit or suddenly you're in Muslim prayer and you're like oh my god yeah this is genius right yeah. look at the big toe flexing look at the hip flexing look at the overhead positioning look at the and you're like okay 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 there's something that people figured out a long time yeah perfect we'll end it there that was epic. Thank you so much for coming on. Man, was, was that an hour? Oh my, I just ran my mouth. No. You know, I really love to talk about these soft, I'm going to just say the edges of our understanding because this is so many of the really interesting conversations. And right now, if you have a moment on the internet, don't go out there with your agenda or your bias. Really try to understand what the hell's going on. And, and there are so many resources, like you said, you know, Z Health is putting up a course right now. Just drop in there. Let me know. How, and then as you take that course and you have your mind blown, also think to yourself, you know, how would I take this information and change my practice? Right? Yeah, it's good stuff. Man, that was epic. <laughs> hey, uh, if you're listening to this, you want to know more, we have, for your listeners, we have created, it's the readystate.com slash Kokoro Movement. We've got, we've got something for you. You know, we have, if you just want a two-week on-ramp crash course, full access to everything, we'll give that to you for two weeks. Come, come see how we're solving the problems. Take, steal what you like, you know, leave the rest behind, you know, keep speaking your own movement language. But uh, thank you so much, man. I, I, I'm out in Phoenix and I can't wait to buy you a cup of coffee next time I see you. Perfect. Thank you so much, my friend. It was good talking to you.